Hey guys, Dylan here, producer of the Ecommerce Alley podcast. Now, before we get into this episode, I wanted to let you know about a special offer that we are giving all of our podcast listeners. If you scroll down below this episode in the show notes, you'll find a link to a special podcast listener deal on our scientific e-commerce Facebook ads testing course. Now, normally this is $27, but we're going to give you a special link to grab it for only 10 And included with that is a 30-minute ads expert call where we help answer your questions and implement the content. Thank you very much for being a valued listener to our podcast. And now, on to this episode. So I believe one of the the greatest goals of entrepreneurship, or at least for me, is to be able to buy back my time. And maybe that's why you started your business. Maybe you started your business because you wanted to create this financial freedom that would allow you to do do the things that you really wanted to. And and then it got to the point where maybe you you feel like a slave to your business from like a time standpoint. And so, you know, what what good is it uh, to have all the financial resources you want, but be a slave to your business and have no time to enjoy those things and to do the things that you actually want to do with those resources. And so um, I want to talk through what that kind of looks like from a practical standpoint. I want to share some just philosophies that we have found as far as like, hey, you know, if my the goal of entrepreneurship is to be able to, meaning to have the resources to then buy back your time so that you can continue to do what you thrive at and what you love that produces the most income for you, that gives you the most time, flexibility, then it's, it's going to require other people. And so uh, I was kind of, this has been kind of a little topic that's been going on inside our community a little bit. You know, as we get out of Q4, naturally what happens in the fourth quarter of every year is it's the quarter when people spend the most money on on, on gifts and products. And so usually there's more uh, online sales than any other quarter there. Well, not most of the time there is more online sales in Q4 than any other quarter of the year. So what, what happens is when you come out of like this uh, momentum driven season and you're sitting in a heavy cash position, there's all this growth that happens. Well, naturally the next move is to say, okay, we need to begin hiring or we need to decide what are our next moves. And I need some help because now we've really grown and we want to take this to new levels based on our 2024 goals. So who should I hire next? And so this is kind of a conversation we've been having a lot inside of our inside of our coaching community. And I've been having a lot of one-on-ones and, and, and kind of seeing this is, is something that a lot of people are like, what do I do? Well, what I decided to do is um, I want to piece together like our philosophies and show you here's how we would do it in a really practical sense. And then what those first five hires are based on your business. But I was kind of curious. So I wrote out my list and I was kind of curious to say like, well, what do all the the, the big people out there say, like, what are the first five hires for an e-commerce business? And so I went and I I Googled it. I just wanted to see what people came up with. And Forbes Forbes says that the very first hire that you as a small business, e-commerce in particular, should do is hire a head of e-commerce. Okay. Well, what's what's number two? Uh, You should hire a VP of marketing. So as a small business, first of all, I just call, I don't even know what I call myself yet, right? I'm a business owner. I'm a founder. Do I call myself CEO? You know, maybe it depends on how big my ego is. Um, 
And then you start talking about a head of e-commerce, a VP of marketing, when you're like, dude, I'm just here trying to make some sales. I'm trying to figure this out. I just broke my first six-figure year, or I'm doing uh, a couple hundred thousand a year. I'm trying to find that first hire, or I I have like a support person, but I don't know, should I hire production? Should I hire an agency? I think we need to be a little bit more realistic. So I'm going to break down my list, um, <laughs> but I want I want you to first start with, a, I want to share with you a, a simple way of thinking about the activities that you do, because the first question is, well, what do I need to outsource and get off my plate? And then who do I need to outsource to? And so I want to start with kind of, kind of the what. And so one way that I like to think of activities is very, very basic. I like to think of it in terms of, and I, I, I had a friend tell me this in a mastermind that I was in, and he probably got it from somewhere, so I'm trying not to plagiarize here. Um, the idea is think of your activities in terms of $10 an hour tasks, $100 an hour tasks, $1,000 an hour tasks, and $10,000 per hour tasks. And so if you start to look at the work you do throughout the day, Every little detailed piece that you do, every little task, ask yourself, is this $1,000, $1,000, or $10,000 an hour work that I'm doing or a task that I'm doing? So an example of $10 an hour tasks might be, hey, I'm ordering inventory. I'm scheduling social media posts. I'm bookkeeping. I'm managing customer success and tickets and returns and dealing with like rude dumbos that are emailing me about something that they clearly didn't read that was right in front of them on the page, right? Uh, Dealing with like product production. Maybe you have a very simple to make product. You do it in house and takes like three minutes to make the widget or whatever that might be, or, or sew the thing or piece the thing together. Um, that's $10 an hour activities, right? That's what I probably put under that under hundred, a little bit higher. This might be like website work, more tech related software implementation, uh, sending emails and scheduling those writing the social media posts, and then maybe thousand dollar an hour work. These are those things that actually move the needle and the things that you really enjoy. Um, but ultimately, if we're still thinking on the business level, it's the things that produce the most dollars. This is the highest leverage activities you can do. And this might look like uh, managing ads. It might look like writing content or copy and, and building creatives, managing team members. Right? Those are those thousand dollar an hour activities. And then ten thousand. Is when you really zoom out, and this is when you're living, uh, if you're only in $10,000 tasks, these are those tasks that are really why you got in business in the first place. This might be casting vision for the company, leading your leaders, thinking, doing product innovation in new ways of uh in, in new ways of developing or creating things. And so if you think of your work in those different terms. What, hey, what's the $10 an hour work, $100 an hour work, $1,000 an hour work, $10,000 an hour work? Uh, then it allows you to say, okay, w- this will help me in determining who can help carry out the tasks that I need to do. But one thing I want to uh, just really quickly share here is I think when you when you look at it in those terms, it's, it's great in theory, right? But at the same time, uh, you kind of have to Act to your act to your wage, right? <laughs> where, where like if you're doing under a hundred thousand dollars a year, hiring an agency that's fifty thousand dollars a year probably doesn't make sense. And so your objective is to slowly outsource the ten dollar an hour tasks, and then the hundred dollar an hour tasks, and then the thousand dollar an hour tasks. So then you're living in your greatest potential in these high value tasks. And so um, I used to, so I used to think in terms of 10, hundred thousand and $10,000 an hour. I used to think of it in terms of that. Um, but the problem in the question that always still remained to me was like, 
What do you outsource? And then also how much are, are you able to afford to pay for it? Because some things you want to outsource, um, you just can't afford to outsource yet. You're not there. So the question is like, well, how much can I afford to outsource? How much should I afford to pay somebody or, or contract somebody? And so um, with these hires in mind, I want you to use the benchmark of can I hire, can I afford to outsource this right now? And if so, pass go, collect $200, and then um, move on to the hiring phase of these people. And so how much can you afford? There's a great book that, uh, by Dan Martell. It's, it's called Buy Back Your Time. Perfect uh, for this podcast episode. And he had a really tangible strategy, and I adopted this. Really, really simple. And he said, basically, if somebody caught it costs you 25% of your take-home pay, then you hire them to do that thing and never do it again. And then he kind of applies this to all areas of his life, from like housework to groceries to lawn care to his business. And so I'm going to kind of look at this from the business standpoint. And so he teaches this concept called the buyback rate, meaning this is how much you can afford to outsource to this person or to this contract, to this like in-house hire or to this contractor of some kind. And so the simple thing is to take your income and div- your annual income and divide it by the number of hours that you work in a day and then divide that by four. So for example, I might work, make my annual income might be $100,000 and then I work 2,000 hours uh, per year, not per day, I'm sorry, to the, how many hours per year? So $100,000 divided by 2,000 hours per year, that's $50 an hour is my average take home. But it doesn't mean I go hire a $50 an hour person. It means that I hire someone at 25% of that. So what that means is $12.50 an hour is what is what you can afford. Hey, thanks for checking out the e-commerce alley podcast. If you've been enjoying this episode so far, it would mean a ton to us if you'd leave us a rating on whatever podcast app you're listening to. And as a token of our appreciation, if you take a screenshot of your review and email it to team at the alley.com, we're just going to go ahead and shoot you a $10 Amazon gift card just as a thank you. Now, back to the episode. And I already know you're probably like, hey, who's going to work for me for $12.50 an hour? Um, well, it might mean that you haven't earned the right to, to have the revenue to pay someone more. It means, it means you need to optimize your process and maybe take some of your attention and go put it on something that's actually going to produce more profit so that that way you can't afford to hire somebody else. So when you take all your income, distributions, profit shares, all of that stuff at the end of the year, divided by the number of hours you typically work, 2,000 is a regular 40-hour work week with two weeks off, and that's the hourly rate you can afford. But here's the cool thing. You know, you might think, hey, nobody will work for that. Well, virtual assistants will work for that. And they'll even work for less than that, um, depending on where they're from. And they're fantastic. And it's life-changing to hire them. And they're so grateful for that work. Um, I know it'd have to be outside of the U.S. if you're in the U.S. or Canada or U.K., wherever you're at. Uh, It might be like from the Philippines, which are well-known for some of the best VAs on the planet. But you could hire on Fiverr. You can hire on Upwork. And you can hire on Freelance.com to do stuff, even if it's fixed projects for like, hey, uh, I need some ad creatives. And it's $20 for five creatives. We've done that. It's not that hard. 20 bucks, five creatives. And and one thing that we also don't think about is maybe um, a bookkeeper won't manage your books for for, for, uh, $12.50 an hour. But let's say that it takes you 
three or four times longer to do your books and your accounting or whatever because you, you don't understand it, you hate it, you despise it, you procrastinate, you're not familiar with the tool, etc. Well, then if it takes you three times longer, then three of your hours is equal to one of theirs. So if three of your hours is 12.50, then that's 37.50 for one of theirs. And you can find bookkeepers for $37.50 for an hour, and then they just work the couple hours a month or whatever you need for them. And so um, with that in mind, my recommendation, if you're going to hire, is first to say, answer the question, what am I doing that I need to outsource? And then who do I think would, would I need for that role? And then ask myself, can I afford to hire that role? And if I can't afford it, it means I need to optimize my life or in the way I operate my business in some other angle to create more profit, to maybe stop doing some things because it means that I'm too spread thin and I'm not profitable enough that if I bring in an employee, I bring in someone else, it's gonna put me in a harder spot. And so um, that said, there are five, five hires that we do uh, or that we recommend in this order. And so let's go ahead, let's dive in. So the first one is, this is gonna be more of like an, an admin role. Typically, bookkeeping. Bookkeeping is in taxes, one of the first things I recommend getting off your plate. Uh, this might be ordering, it might be someone for so, social media scheduling, et cetera. And so this is one of those first things that like your value is not in doing books, I promise. Uh, your value, unless you're a bookkeeping service, right? <laughs> your value is not in doing the actual books or the taxes or even scheduling your stuff on social media. You might write the content on social media, but taking the hours to schedule it is probably not worth your time. This could be a part-time role too. You don't need someone full-time. Like a virtual assistant is great and can fill in a lot of stuff here. In other words, these are largely $10 an hour activities would fall under the admin category. And, and while you might not pay them $10 an hour, you pay them based on your, you know, what you can actually afford and you budget that all in to make sure it all makes sense. But the admin is that first role. Once you've kind of done that, now you kind of move to this next level to where admin is more behind the scenes but the next role is a customer success type role. And this is where it moves in front of the scenes. This might be tickets, someone who manages tickets and returns and exchanges and emails from customers and calls from customers. And guess what? This could also be a part-time person. VAs also could work for this. You could train up um, customer success. You might not have someone that comes in and has the goal of staying with you for 52 years and retiring from your company and customer success, but you can get the college, some college kids to help you out and it's flexible with them and they just have to do two hours a day, an hour in the morning, hour in the evening. They make some extra money on top of their college you know, tuition that they have to pay. It helps cover food and stuff like that. And so, this also could be a part-time person until it has a need to become a full-time thing. Once you have admin and customer success, usually it moves into production. Um, if you don't have a 3PL, if you don't do print-on-demand, but if you do those and, and you don't make your, your, your products in-house, then hey, you kind of skip this and you move to the next phase. Um, but if you do make things in-house, as your sales rise, you, that's usually one of the first bottlenecks that happens. So admin stuff, get stuff off your plate so you can do higher leverage activities that produce more sales. As you make more sales, customer support, success stuff gets offloaded off your plate so you can continue doing those to make more sales. Now, as your customers go up, as all this is coming together as a marketing and the things that are more high leverage that I'll talk about in a moment are coming together, then usually a production, if you do stuff in-house, becomes that bottleneck. And then usually you're still probably doing it and you become the bottleneck. So in the last year, like we've worked with 
several dozen companies that have all experienced that to where like um, where they actually found the dial, which was the marketing, they flipped the marketing dial and they got so many customers that they ran out of product and they couldn't make it fast enough and there were backlogs and then they had to throttle things back, which, hey, that's that's just another business challenge and it's a cool challenge to have. Um, but this is where if you're experiencing, that's the symptom, right? If you're experiencing this throttling by not being able to make enough, then that means you probably need that production hire somebody to come in. And again, this is still, in my opinion, unless you make a sophisticated product, this is still like $10 an hour activity. And you might, you might pay them 15 or you might pay them 17 or 20 or whatever that might be. There's a fair wage where you're at. But ultimately, um, this is going to give you more time to go streamline the, uh, streamline the most important things in your business. But the reason we don't kind of a lot, I would say this is one of the most common ones as the first hire. Um, where you're make, hand making everything, and so you're like, I need someone else to hand make with me. So you hire someone else to come in and hand make versus outsourcing bookkeeping and, and admin stuff and customer success stuff, <clears throat> and you outsource production first. But if you do those first, you're going to stay in product longer or production longer, but it gives you this, this opportunity to really streamline the systems and the production process because you're in it more frequently, which actually builds a better foundation for when you make this third hire, which is a production person. Once we get through those, there are two, there are two more, and, and I kind of put them in two buckets, um, and this is going to vary greatly based on what your business is and, and what kind of marketing activities you do. So I look at the fourth hire as secondary, a secondary marketing role, and whatever title you might give, this is going to be kind of based on what you do. So this might be somebody that uh, is doing stuff on your website and doing photography or, or doing social media or doing email and SMS, and and so these are like secondary, like they're, they're marketing channels that you do, but they don't produce a mass amount of revenue. Usually ads, I would say by and large, ads produce the most revenue for most businesses in e-commerce that are growing and, and running advertising. It's the lion's share. So I, I, I might not put ads in there. I'm going to save that for more of a, it's a bigger role that we'll talk about in a moment. But secondary marketing roles are things that it's like, hey, if I keep doing this, it, yes, it, it'll maintain, but if I stop doing this, my business won't go under. If if uh, we had a client the other day say, hey, she had an issue with her ads and they were down for like a week and her sales went from like a thousand a day to a hundred a day. And then she turned her back, ads back on and then her sales went back right back up. And so like that to me is uh, not something you hand off here yet. That's going to be what we would want to hand off next. This is the kind of thing we're like, hey, I'm scheduling three social media posts a week. Great. Somebody can take over that marketing role, right? <laughs> and if you stop posting those three, your sales and your whole business is probably not going to implode and go under. So um, the higher leverage and the more impact that the, the activity has on your business, that is the last thing you want to reason. You want to uh, uh, outsource. And so the fourth hire, secondary marketing role, based on what you do for marketing in your business, my advice is to uh, have somebody that will do a little bit of all of this. If they're doing email, they can do SMS, similar stuff to social media. You could teach them the website. They could understand some of those inner workings. And here's the cool thing. Simultaneously, you could have someone who begins as something lower and grows to that. You might have an admin person that also, by the way, is so is tech savvy and becomes that secondary marketing role. And now you're kind of starting to fulfill both of those roles until you grow to a point where each of them have to have their own full-time people within them. So the fourth hire is a secondary marketing role. Usually this is going to be um, either outsourced 
to like, it might be to an agency, I would just really watch your costs on that, uh, but it might be outsourced or it might be in-house. The final thing that I recommend outsourcing is going to be your primary marketing role. This is stuff um, that is usually, this is flipped around. Um, Usually, this is one of the first things I see e-commerce businesses outsource. When they outsource their, their advertising to like an agency that charges them an arm and a leg to manage it and eats all of their profits and they don't know their numbers. And I, I just heard a horror story. I actually was on a, a call yesterday with somebody who hired, uh, who hired an agency and in a matter of two months, he put them $40,000 in debt because he was scaling so aggressively and the numbers were not what it shook out to be. And so uh, my advice is before you outsource your primary marketing role, which to me is advertising, writing content, building great creative, or maybe even outsourcing that if you need to, and, and understanding how advertising works are the most crucial things you should hand off last, especially as an e-commerce business. You know, if you are a service-based business, usually sales are one of the last things that are handed off. Uh, typically, uh, it's admin stuff, and it's all those other things I mentioned that we hand off first. Sales is last. In the e-commerce world where we live, the last thing you want to outsource is the thing, the goose that lays the golden eggs. And this is typically your high primary marketing activities or that actually produce most profit. For the most of us, that is advertising. And so these are the things that, you can acquire the skills. I know you can. So like if you're if you want to outsource it, question, hey, am I outsourcing because it's easy and convenient now? Or is it because and because I don't or because I don't want to learn things? Um, or is it because I genuinely believe that this is gonna actually help me? And I, I would be surprised you might be surprised at what you, you're actually capable of when you sit down. Um, it is funny to me though that this is the most common thing offloaded, but it's, it's, it's the hard stuff to do and it's the most expensive. And, and we often keep the easy stuff to do in our business, like the admin, the bookkeeping, et cetera. And, the thi- and, and we continue doing the things that are actually the cheapest to outsource. So if we could flip that, we work on the hard stuff in the business that are expensive to outsource, that we probably have no business outsourcing yet, and we outsource the cheapest, easiest stuff to do, then eventually we focus on advertising and getting our skills up, and then that actually is no longer hard. It becomes medium, and then it becomes easy, and where you can actually uh, do it very efficiently inside your business to where you you kind of look back and you're like, why did I ever put this off? And so the cool thing in all of this is if you kind of go through these hours, so the first thing we have is admin with bookkeeping, taxes, ordering, maybe even scheduling stuff, um, then customer success, then we move into someone for a production role, and then the fourth role is like a secondary marketing role where it's not like the breadwinning marketing strategy for you, but then the final thing you outsource is your primary marketing role. If you, if you do things in this order, then uh, it's going to allow you to be always in the most, the highest value activity you could do, which is those eventually out of the $10 into the hundred, out of the hundred into the thousand, then out of the thousand into the $10,000 activities. It's gonna push you in that direction a lot faster. And then people may ascend with you as you do that. Like the person doing social and email and SMS might become proficient and interested in like copywriting and, and paid media buying. Or, or maybe you grow to the point where the person who did all of your secondary marketing 
becomes only a mark, an email marketing manager because now you have to have someone who knows email and someone who knows social and someone who knows website because you've grown that much. And so uh, if you do all of these, uh, this is kind of like the process we have gone through and we have seen e-commerce businesses that do it right, this is the process. The problem is most of us flip it on its head and we start by outsourcing. <laughs> the thing that's a little hard and, and, and not as enjoyable to do up front, um, which is advertising and those high activities, we outsource things that are hard but are also the most expensive. When we need to flip that and outsource the things that are easy to do, the cheapest to outsource so we can spend our time on the highest value things that produce the greatest revenue in ascend in that order. But you, my friend, have been listening to the e-commerce alley podcast produced by Dylan counts. We appreciate you listening to this podcast. If you enjoy it, please uh, give us a thumbs up on YouTube and hit subscribe or leave us a rating. It takes like 10 seconds with your thumb on whatever device or podcast audio you're listening on. It would mean a lot to us. We appreciate you and we'll see you in the next episode. Hey guys, it's Josh. Thanks for listening to the audio version of the e-commerce alley. Did you know that we actually have an amazing set in high quality video production that gets posted on YouTube every single week? If you've never watched the e-commerce alley on YouTube, you have to go to alleypodcast.com slash YouTube to check it out. Once again, thank you for listening to this podcast and we hope you enjoy this episode.